Welcome to Mermaid on Land, a podcast that is a platform for people with disabilities to be able to give people a space to talk about their disabilities and their challenges and to have voice to be heard. Today, I have Sam Wright and Sam Left today with me, and they're both joining me in two different states, um, which will not be named to protect their private lives. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for joining today, and I'm glad to have y'all. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful to be here, Misty. Thank you guys so much again. And um, so go ahead and obviously your last names are not right and left, um, but the story behind that. So um, we can go ahead and just start there. Okay. Do you want to lead Sam or should I take point here? I don't know about that, Sam. Uh, Okay. I am, we'll go alphabetical. (laughs) I am Sam Falk. Um, I currently work, um, I work at a library, um, and I had the wonderful privilege of meeting this gentleman in college. Take it away, Sam. Well, I am Sam Maupin, also for any French speakers out there. If you want to be really artsy about it, you can say Maupin, but, you know, obviously we're not going there. I work at a radio station and produce drone video on the side. So when it comes to working with sound and things like this, I have made a career out of it. I also, obviously to play off Sam's story, I would more say I came upon this gentleman in college and it has been the spontaneous conversation that I have been grateful for ever since. Sometimes you just say things in the moment that at the time might seem rude or inappropriate or just purely random. But in the case of Sam, that was one where that's, I will, I will stand behind that shouted remark. And um, we've been hanging out ever since. I would actually love to hear it from your perspective. (laughs) Okay. So we were... Well, I should say, I was sitting in the main dining, I guess, college marketplace area. They had a little food court. And since I was in the, I guess it was the college radio station those days, I've always been a people person. I will strike up a conversation with a random person in the most random place possible. And college basically was... It felt like rock star training because you meet everyone and you know everyone. And so I was there eating lunch, feeling like a rock star, like I always did. And I, I see this guy limping. He's he's limping like I do. I mean, it's a little bit of a different limp, but, you know, I could spot it. And so me and my ego went up and said, hey, do you have cerebral palsy? And just started off that way. And then I think I might have asked something totally random because the this probably leads a little bit into the story of why we call each other right and left. Mm-hmm. Um, my cerebral palsy is more severe on my right side. So I am a little bit more prevalent on my left. So there's obviously some muscles that I can use a little bit more on my left side. And so 
Sam, this is kind of your discretion here if you want to use the exact words or the exact question I asked you, but the moment you oh, said, oh, yes, you have there. cerebral palsy, and I said, I have cerebral palsy, and everyone's kind of looking at me going, well, first off, you just point blank asked a complete stranger if they have a disability. That's probably not socially all right, but me being me, I figured I'm like, well, if there's somebody else with cerebral palsy, I got to make connections. Yeah, it's not nice to just sit there and wonder. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? Hey, I got CP too, kind of leading in that way. And there are some times where that attitude has backfired on me, but you know, got to give a little bit of optimism. If I, to be fair, Sam, if you had glared at me and walked away, that would have, that would have been a, a bummer, but you know, I figured there's only really one way I can get to know you. And that's to kick off the conversation as random as it may be. So, um, from my perspective, I am heating my food up in the, like, in a microwave in the middle of a cafeteria. And this guy walks up to me, like, hobbles up. He, he limps up to me and just says, hey, do you have cerebral palsy? And I, <laughs> I'm completely taken aback. And I'm like, uh, yeah. He goes, oh, wow. Um, it, 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 it's like tougher on, on, on my right side. And I'm like, oh, no way. It's, it's, it's worse on my left. And he just leans into me and goes, how does it feel to move your right butt cheek? Because <laughs> I've never been able to do it my whole life. I'm like, oh, it's absolutely amazing. How does it feel to move the left one? <laughs> and we sit there and we're, we're talking about this. And then a mutual friend goes, hey, Sam. And we both turn to look. And that's when we realize we have the same name. Oh my gosh. That's great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and nice. best friends ever since. That's really cool. That's really awesome. I love that story. Um, you guys mentioned something that, you know, I, I find really necessary. And it's that, you know, just ask questions. Because, you know, a lot of people stare and make assumptions and they don't you know part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is because I wanted to break the stigma um with disabilities people assume oh they're in a wheelchair they can't speak for themselves or there aren't crutches and they're not able to do this or that or maybe they're not able to drive or whatever the case may be so um asking questions and and just you know being bold and not necessarily bold but just less um less ignorant, I guess. People should ask questions instead of stare. Um, and you never know. You know, you might make a lifelong friend. Oh, absolutely. Um, I definitely... Um, I, I definitely feel like we need to break this stigma of, oh, okay, that person looks different than I do, so I'm just going to ignore it and I'm going to act like it like either that they don't exist or that uh, whatever makes them different doesn't exist. Mm. And I mean, on one hand, there, there's a fine line between um, if you don't accommodate for, uh, for their disability at all, mm -hmm. um, then you're a jerk. But if you act like they're invisible, right? You're 
you're also a, a jerk. Right. Um, and there and is I, something. Well, go ahead. Uh, I've just I've been on the receiving end of both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't know what they don't know, right? So communication is uh, is key. Um, it goes both way with the people that have disabilities. It's important for them to speak up for themselves and say, I can do this or I'm not able to do this, but I can figure out a way. Um, and the same thing on the other side, somebody asking someone, hey, is there any way that I can help you or would you prefer that I not assist you or would you prefer that I help you? You know, there's ways to ask and there's ways to go about that, but um, it's, it starts with communication. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And there is something that I want to throw into with all of this to keep in mind that it is the issue, I think, is a little bit more complicated than simply disabled and non disabled. Um, us educating our non disabled counterparts, I think, to some degree, and we might want to get into this a little later, but we as people with dis- with disabilities, whatever they may be, need to also figure out how to reach out to each other as well. Because, I mean, Sam, to use you an example in that day, sometimes as a person with a disability, it's easy to just stare at somebody and go, I, I wonder what their deal is, or I wonder what's going on, but never actually approach them, even if even if we're the same community and minority, because that is, in my experience at least, when it's come to the big world of everybody, not specific groups or camps or disability-centered events, but when you're out just in life in general, I feel like we, we sometimes separate each other without even meaning to, because it's, it is challenging to just approach a complete stranger and start asking questions, even though, I mean, we're, we are probably one of the biggest minorities globally. However, we're a minority that's completely separate from, from each other completely. We're as individual as a fingerprint. And I think that we have to work on reaching the, I guess, breaking that wall down with each other, as well as people who might be, like I said, our, our non-disabled counterparts are not the only one we have to work on communicating with. I think as a community, if we're, we're going to accomplish anything, we have to start working on talking to each other too. Um, yeah, and earlier, um, Sam Righty, Righty was saying <laughs> to me, we were talking earlier before you joined the podcast, um, and we were talking okay. about like the different levels of cerebral palsy. There's mild, there's severe, there's, you know, there, it's all depending on the, you use the word subjective, right? Um, yes. And I think it's, it, you know, for me, just speaking on a personal level, um, I, I'm semi-emulatory. I use forearm clutches and I also have a motorized scooter and I also have another chair that I use when I use Uber and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use them for different things depending on the day. For me, I'm guilty of looking at somebody else with a disability and immediately feeling sorry for them because they think they look like they might have a more severe case than I. And then I, I don't give myself the chance to have a moment of, like, not self-pity, because that's not the word. I don't want self-pity, but, like, I constantly compare myself to other people, whether they're 
not in like a worse situation or not or not, I'm sorry I'm trying to say like if they're because mine is more mild and somebody else is more severe I immediately won't allow myself to feel sorry for myself for a moment because it's like no somebody else has it worse you know and there needs to be a healthy dose of hey you know what this is tough but get back up you know mm-hmm. absolutely and that's that is something that I think we we all need to learn. I know between Sam and I, we could probably go for three different podcasts, uh, <laughs> comparing our perspectives on levels of severity and those, basically that whole conversation. I know there's times, Sam, when, when you've kind of had to reel me in and other times where um, I, I deeply apologize, but when it comes to reading large bodies of literature very quickly, um, that I, I do kind of struggle there. So yes, I might be able to do the five mile hike, but if you want to get my opinions on the completed work of Jane Austen by next week, um, that's really not going to be doable on my end and it will take me a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. It's okay, I forgive you. Thank you. Thank you. Because, uh, I mean, we all have limitations and sometimes um, they come in different forms. And Misty, as you say that in your story, to try to wrap this all around, um, if you're, I obviously don't know professionally where you've ended up, but if you're having the struggle of whether to feel sorry or not for that person who might be a little bit more severe, mm-hmm. um, if they're a brain surgeon and they make more money than any of the three of us could dream of, I'm willing to say, you know, they, they might have a physical issue, but if they have a high skill or a, a savant ability in something else, I'm like, well, it, it all balances out, I guess, if that makes you feel any better. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so how do you guys see your disability? As far as um, well, just it, in general, or do you think of it as a challenge, or you do? Do you think of it as a, as far as like a, it, as far as from a medical or social perspective, like how do you? Oh yeah. Um, so personally, I I do ascribe to the uh, the medical model of disability. So um, <clears throat> if if there was a magic pill that I could take and I would be cured tomorrow, I would a hundred percent take it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is something that I need to adapt around and, um, and work around. I, I know in the larger like disability community, um, there's a big push for the of like, it's society that sucks, mm-hmm. not, me in my body society needs to adapt so that everybody uh can can be successful and i and i agree with that on the on a, on a certain um to a certain point mm-hmm. but there's also uh so the way i usually describe my disability or the, how how i describe my mental state i guess is i am an average person living in a world full of superheroes. Mm. Um, and I just, um, 
I would kill to wake up tomorrow and be Spider-Man. But I know that's not going to happen. So I just need to, you know, do live my best life with, um, with what I was given. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's how I usually describe it. That's a good answer. Do you have a response to that? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> and this is Didn't cut you off. <laughs> oh no, I. Oh no, I, I, I was good. Well, and Sam, to to be the yin to your yang on this one, um, it's cerebral palsy is a, an interesting condition in that you have the different levels of severity that will impact people all different ways. So um, I am, I guess, as far as the the model of disabilities, I'm not so literate on disability studies, but I would say if there is a if there is a supervillain model to cerebral palsy, I would have to subscribe to that because, um, as Sam, as you know, and um, Misty, I will summarize this for the sake of the audience. But growing up with the with cerebral palsy, I was always pushed to to keep up, to hike, to keep on going forward, and a family friend was still uses a wheelchair. He had a medical mishap when he was a teenager in Russia and is to this day one of the most aggressive people I have seen. This is the guy who has no use of his lower body and can still uh, out kayak, out bike, and outdo able-bodied people and do it with pride. He's slowed down a little bit as he's gotten older, but growing up with a disability, that's who I had kind of to to look to. So um, as far as my view of cerebral palsy, it's kind of like having uh, an evil superpower. On one hand, I have spent years training it and honing it and working it. So I can have not only use, use of my body like a non-disabled person, but um, I can, I do 400 push-ups almost every morning. I have done martial arts for years. And in the times that I've done competitions and sparring, um, my best, my best sparring match lasted 30 seconds. I hit somebody once, they were on the ground and didn't, it, it was done. They weren't injured, but they were not coming back on the mat. So it's it's been a very, it's almost difficult to articulate, but there came a point in life when after years of stretching and working and corrective surgeries, it, I kind of learned that, um, to borrow your analogy, Sam, um, Supermans do have a kryptonite and that kryptonite comes in different flavors. If you get it just right, cerebral palsy can be just as bad. So that's, it's been, it's been interesting. On the other hand, cerebral palsy with the skills and abilities it can give you, um, if I forget to eat, I will just about pass out because well, the mus- well, my body can do some pretty incredible things 
it does have limits and it's been kind of an inconvenience at work at the end of my shift i have to eat something or i will be incoherent staying awake becomes difficult walking can become very very challenging and it's one of those where sure it's it's cool but um like anything else i've had to work with it my entire life as far as explaining it to people it is a little annoying because sometimes people don't understand and they try to accommodate or maybe they assume that I, I can't do things and then I'll drop to the ground and give them 10 push-ups, maybe lift up on one hand and say, well, you can, you can offer to help me, but I mean, seriously, I, I should probably be the one helping you. <laughs> I will say though, from a lifetime of dealing with this as, as you have, Sam, it is, it has been hard and it's been painful to see friends who might've started out life able-bodied and then whether it's a medical issue, an accident, something like that, um, basically join our community. And it's that part, I would say as, as cool as it is, when you see somebody who worked construction and now is basically quit their job and confined to their house and uses a cane it really, it feels very strange and a little painful. And in those kinds of situations, I almost want to say, here, let me take this for you. I'm already, I'm already yeah. adapted to this. This is, this is something I already know. If there's, if there's a way I could take this bullet for you, I would, because if we think about the world or the model of disability, um, as different as we may be, all three of us, we're already here. Yeah. We're already we're already in the country of cerebral palsy. And when somebody comes in new, it can be a little bit of a rough one for them. And yeah. I was actually having a conversation with someone um a few weeks ago. I did a podcast with with a friend of mine who had an unfortunate situation um last year and she ended up losing her leg. And so she went from being fully abled to now having to rely on a wheelchair and some assistance because of that medical issue. Um, you know, she went from not being disabled to now being disabled, and that's an adjustment. Um, I already know, and you guys already know what that's like to go mm-hmm. not from to go from being fully able to then one day not being able to use your legs or your arms or what have you um, in the blink of an eye. Um, it can be very I, I couldn't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, um, I, have a, I have a friend who has been battling MS for, I think, three years or so. Um, and I, I really stepped in and I was like, dude, don't, don't feel bad about using a cane. I use one every day. Here are some resources. Like I gave him you know, websites to go window shopping and get himself a fancy, cool cane. And I tried, like, tried to make it, no, yes, you're a 30-year-old um, getting a cane for the first time, but tr- try to look at it from a fashion accessory standpoint, like trying to, you know, turn something like this um, and try to make it as positive as possible. I could not imagine um 
being completely able-bodied and then being thrust into this world um, completely unprepared. Right, and having to navigate a new normal. And not only that, but MS is um, something that is um, a steadily declining kind of situation, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And cerebral palsy um, can be fatal, but it's more of a severe, it's not from cerebral palsy, it's from other issues caused from that, um, from more severe cases. But um, things like lupus and multiple sclerosis and things like that, I, I'm grateful sometimes, you know, for the diagnosis of cerebral palsy and being able to be able to be adaptable. Um, and, you know, I know when I go in my apartment and I make something to eat, I know exactly where everything is um, and things like that because it's set up for me, um, yeah. you know, in the way that I need it. But to go from one thing to another and having to relearn and navigate something, I, yeah, it's, it's unfathomable. I actually just, uh, I had to see a new doctor yesterday and I mean, that it's, tangential at, at the least but um that's a trip too because you're you're coming in with uh you know oh do you do you have any past surgeries uh how much time you got right like do you want that list chronological or alphabetical um <laughs> and so so having to like um and it was a I just did like a basic physical and it was like Oh, what's that scar from? Oh, I didn't mention that. My bad. Um, hey, what what's that? Like, just somebody new, like, poking and prodding at my body. Like, oh, what? Why does it do this? Oh, that's you know, I was I I fell, um, tweaked my arm. Like, all these little pockets of stories and and things like that is just that's weird, right? Um, have, were you guys ever, like, this is going to be sound like a weird question, but speaking of surgery, were y'all ever guinea pigs for, like, an experimental type surgery? I was the, not. I was. Okay. That, that was a uh, dorsal rhizotomy in 1996. They had kind of perfected the surgery well, to the point that they could make it successful. There were cases that weren't, but yeah, I guess that kind of falls into that. Um, well, what was it in Batman, the Joker falling into the vat of who knows what and coming out crazy. But um, yeah, the, the guinea pig surgery is there's, I'd say, though they help you, there's there's definitely some things you deal with afterward and, you know, still is a it still is an experiment and it still can go a bunch of different ways and there's it gave me use of my lower body but um, it also landed me with some issues that i only really sorted out as an adult but i will say that much like this community as we're all three of us are here talking about cerebral palsy um, depending on what a problem is it can open some doors with people that you never thought possible. And in my case, to say this shortly, I had, after the rhizotomy, 
they stitched me up with um, adhesive tape that I was allergic to oh my rather than, Oof. I guess, um, try to fix things up or I'm not sure really what they could have done at that point. They pumped up my drug dose. So little six-year-old me took a, took a very interesting trip into pain and anesthetics and just kind of went into this nightmarish little la-la land, I suppose. But it, it was weird because I, as an adult, I started having night terrors, PTSD, certain smells kind of tipped me over the edge. Um, I was actually in the martial art place and we had a guy who was a little too obsessed with hand sanitizer and cleaner and he had had a procedure and he was telling me a graphic things about it. And um, afterwards I was hanging out with some friends. Uh, we There's a brewery we would go and hang out at afterwards. And one of them is a, she's an ex-military nurse. And she heard me ranting about this guy I'd been working with saying, I, I was going like, why, why did he come in here? He smells like he just came clear off the table. And now he's talking about it. Now this really makes me mad. And I, I just went from zero to 60 in the anger department. And she took me aside because she's, she's been around PTSD. Sam, I'd, I don't know if you remember Terry, but I do. she basically said, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, you checked the box. So uh, congratulations, you have post-traumatic stress disorder. And I mean, it helped, but in a lot of ways, it's, I will say, as, as not great as that is, um, over where I grew up in the Kitsap area, it is a pretty heavily... Uh, military area so community college we had veterans from all different branches all the time and through getting to know people and talking to people um, I've never been in the military obviously but mm -hmm. that group accepted me as long lost family and I, I have to say it's one where it's not it's not a group that I would have gotten into the normal way but um, the, the door was open. It was, you might not have had the same reason for this issue, mm -hmm. but you have the issue. Right. And so um, a lot of them, that, is, that has been my closest friends. And they've, the door is opened that probably wouldn't be any other way. So yeah, yeah the experimental surgery it was good and it was bad and it's a little bit more of a, a zipper except sam it's not nearly as impressive as yours i would say in the scar department <laughs> i uh i basically I I just showed my zipper and i i'd see you in a changing room and like no i i, I cannot hold a candle to that artwork there <laughs> i like yours better though i mean i guess i'm just used to the mouth uh, so i have a i um, can I can I hazard a, a description here? Is that appropriate? Um, sure. Okay, so basically, Sam, you have you you may be a monster in certain ways. I, I look, and whereas I have a, a nice zipper running down my spine, um, is you have a you have a second face. 
rather distorted one. And I'm like, you know, I look at that. I'm like, I, I'm pretty basic and boring here. If somebody says what happened there, I'm like, well, they, they slashed my back and rewired some things. And yeah, I, I, yours on the other hand, I'm like, sir, you have my undivided respect. Um, I, I don't have anything quite as cool as that. I don't have anything quite as cool as any of y'all. I'm really wishing I could see your face right now, Sam. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of sitting here going like, I'm kind of thinking, am, am I going to get an angry text message later or a phone call going, okay, listen, we need to talk. You, so, you, already, you already would have. My phone's on airplane mode. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm wishing I could get some cues off you if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, if you look at my topless torso that it i have a second face i we're trying to keep this g-rated i won't explain how that face works but use your imagination gotcha gotcha i we're talking about all these experimental things and i can't help but think of things like captain america like you know in the marvel in the marvel game right (laughs) absolutely well, let's see. Sam, I think to be fair, if if we're going to go down that road as as briefly as we do in in this multiverse, um say the the supervillain and the superhero are actually on very good terms and compare notes. Um before I try to take over the world, I mean I'll I'll let you know, given my evil intent though, I'll I'll probably give you an invitation, so to speak. Like, hey, hey Sam, I'm I'm going to be the supervillain and take over the world. Uh would you would you like to join in and try to stop or would you like to participate? Because the, the invitation's open, but um as far as my scar to give you a little bit more insight with the Marvel version well, with Marvel so to speak, if you saw the original Spider-Man with um Doc Ox mm-hmm. first appearance just think of that spine he has, but um, it didn't take the first time. The scar is still there. I mean, they say they're going to reattach the spider arms, but yeah, they haven't got around to it yet. Oh, yeah. That's a really good description, actually. I, I have, Spider-Man happens to be my favorite movie. Um, oh, awesome. So I... Like the whole thing, yeah. Don't judge. I still need to see No Way Home. I have not yet. I, I am very sorry. I, I know. I'm going to be kicked off the podcast now. Oh, no, no. All is forgiven. Okay, good, good. You need to see it, though. Um, all right, all right. Do you, do you guys, is there anything that people assume that you can't do? What, what are some things that people assume that you can't do? Have, have you ever came across that? Or? Yes. Yeah, Definitely. Is your so for me? If somebody says that I can't do something, I'm like, okay, watch me. I'll take and you know, I'll take pictures and everything else. You know, do you guys get defensive or how do you navigate that kind of? Um, I get really defensive. I'm like, oh, you don't think I can go do this? Then well, you know, watch me and I'll just, you know. I'll just... How do you handle that one, Sam? I I, I usually end up getting defensive. Um, or I ignore the comment completely. Um, so, like, uh, I've gotten a couple times, people are, like, surprised by the fact that um, 
I mean, there's been times where people are literally surprised by the fact that I can speak. Um, because I'm a very intro I'm an introverted person and you just see me limping around uh with a cane. Um and I I have a whole story about community college where like an entire group of people thought I was uh I had lower cognitive function because I was 16 going to college and I just didn't talk to anyone. Um, so, so I usually get, I get that, um, or people, um, like I, I use, uh, the motor carts in grocery stores because I don't have the, um, like I don't have the physical stamina to walk around Fred Meyer for two and a half hours. Um, so I use the motor cart and every once in a while when I like stand up from the motor cart to grab something on the top shelf, I'll get this like evil side eye, like what you can walk? Like, yeah, yeah, Dolores, I can like do you not see my cane sitting in the cart with me? Like or, you know, um, who are you to assume my level of mobility? Right. Right. Um, one time I fell. I was, I, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm semi, you know, mobile. I can move around. I walk around, you know, short distances. I can't stand in lines for very long without moving. I have, my ankles are small. My feet did not grow um, past a size two, but so... I'm a 38-year-old woman, and I wear a size 2. Um, and so my feet don't hold up to my weight sometimes, so I have to use or rely on a chair. When standing in line and going to the checkout, I have to move around or my feet get tired. So at one point, I was in college, and I was walking around in my dorm room, and I went to go out of the dorm room into the hallway to go to the bathroom because that's where the bathrooms were. And I fell. And this young woman... All she saw was me standing up on my feet. She didn't know. She hadn't seen me out of my chair before. She said, oh, praise Jesus, it's a miracle. You can walk. And it's like, I, it was the funniest thing to me. I thought it was hilarious. I just laughed so hard. But she didn't know because she just assumed that I couldn't walk at all. And that, you know, and let's not talk about how, or we could talk about how horrible the motorized scooters at Target and Walmart are. They're terrible. Um, they're never tired. They're so slow. They're really big and bulky and slow, and just not my kind of vibe. So, and the, I mean that actually goes into, I mean that faith is a very interesting concept. Um, and sorry, I'm like going back in in into my head. Um. Because yeah, uh, I've I've definitely had the whole um, like I've been to Bethel. I've had people praying over my leg for twenty minutes, right? Uh, th- this whole concept of praise Jesus, it's a miracle. Right. And on on one hand, yes, praise Jesus that we are breathing. Right. Praise Jesus that you have a chair that you own a chair right um 
previews for all those things. But yeah, don't assume that just because you saw me walking one day and not another day, like, I don't know, that's, yeah, that's an interesting concept. And you know, if it's okay with you, I'd like to kind of navigate that a little bit more. By all means. For people that um, listen, (laughs) I just want to mention this. I am a, I am a faithful Christian. I believe in Jesus and I believe in prayer and I believe in all the things, but Things like, you mentioned Bethel. I can't stress this enough, and you guys might feel the same way, you may not, I don't know, how dehumanizing it is when someone comes up to you and assumes, like, hey, let me pray for you, and, you know, I want to pray for you. And like I said, I believe in the power of prayer, but not only is it sometimes unwanted, I don't like that kind of attention. Maybe, you know, if I want to be prayed for, I'll go up to them and I'll ask, hey, can you pray for me? Um, But I don't want someone to assume that because they want to pray for me and they they see me in a wheelchair, they want to go up to me and pray for me because they believe God's going to heal me. And I believe God can heal every day. I believe God does miracles every day. And I believe, for me personally, that God gave me this disability for a reason. Um, he He makes no mistakes, but... I think, you know, from just really quickly, I'll go ahead and finish my, my thought if that's okay. Um, yeah. I, I just want to say that when I was a kid, my grandpa would always tell me, go up to the front and get prayed for. And I would have this faith filled, you know, like, I'm going to get prayed, I'm going to be able to walk and whatever. And then I would go back to my seat with shame because it's like, what did I do wrong? Why wasn't I healed? Like, you know, like everybody accepted, you know, and. I believe that God can heal, like I said, and he does every single day. And I think he does within. And I think he allows us to experience certain things um, for a reason. So that's just my perspective on the whole praying and faith and things like that. If I can... Go ahead. Well, I actually, I I have a little bit to say on this because... The place that I work at is a Christian conservative radio station. I'm about to say I probably should decline to name programs because the boss might get a little angry. But in any case, um, I hear that kind of thing all the time. In fact, I actually ran a show for a while at a previous radio station that was a faith healer call in, call in and have your prayers uh, lifted up before the entire radio audience of North America, parts of Asia and parts of Europe. And it was, it was difficult and kind of insulting actually, if some parent calls in crying or someone probably like your family, Misty, or and says, you know, can you can you pray for my son? He has cerebral palsy. I had to actively work on not shouting into the phone. Get him some car hearts. He'll be just fine. And slamming the receiver down because that's not a way to keep a job. Clients <laughs> don't exactly like that one very much. But I do have to say, I think because Sam, we've talked about this quite a bit that it's in that aspect um, where <laughs> everything happens for a reason. And we we all have our challenges for a reason. It's definitely shaped us into who we need to be. And God does have a plan. And I would say, I mean, I would sooner 
lift up my uh, frustration with other people than I would lift up my not moving so great right toes. I mean, my right toes have never been able to move. Do I need divine healing for that? Probably not. I'm doing just fine. Now, (laughs) if I'm having a bad day at work and things are not good and I have, you know, locked myself in my studio again and given all my coworkers dirty looks again and not having a good day and everyone knows it and, you know, maybe snapped at a coworker, if I have to compare those two problems, um, I would more assume that that prayer would probably sound like, God, please help me. I'm really having an issue with not forgiving people, being angry and frustrated. Now, my right toes, I mean, they've never been able to move. If uh, if somebody wants to come up and pray for me, I mean, my my body is like, eh, well, you know, it, it was it was like this yesterday. It'll probably be this way tomorrow. But but this anger issue that that really is a problem. And that really has been. Yeah. I mean, as far as a disability goes, I would say uh, workplace anxiety is probably. Uh, I would for in the divine healing department, I would say, please help me to forgive other people. I'm really having a hard time with that. That's the thing that um, if the faith healer wants to do a miracle, I'd say I would personally put that one a little higher on the list. But, you know, I've, to someone coming from a different perspective, I guess that just highlights the importance of conversations like this one. For sure, for sure. And, you know, it's a perfect segue. How does this affect your faith for both from on both of your perspectives? So I... I do have a question for you, Lefty, one that I've never directly asked. Um, so I'm going to ask your question. I'm going to ask my question, and then I'm going to make a few statements. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm curious how, how it's going to sound really weird and arrogant, but I'm curious how my faith life has impacted yours. Um, and, and I say that because when I met you, um, it, it felt like you were really in this space of being burned against the church and like being in this environment of everybody's a Pentecostal who says, Oh, you, you'd be healed if you just had enough faith. Um, and whereas, and so I'm going to answer, uh, Misty's question, um, for myself, like, um my my struggles with my disability have definitely bolstered my faith they have um i i'm a very devout bible practicing um christian myself um and i i do kind of uh hold this delicate balance of yes god can God can heal me in the next five seconds. Mm-hmm. But I thoroughly believe that one of the reasons that um, I have CP is to be in Sam Maupin's life. Like, that that feels very arrogant to say. Um, but, I mean, think about the day we met. Like, you never would have walked up to me if... Um, if I wasn't limping, right? And uh, and I feel like you you have um, definitely helped shape my faith as well. Um, not to make this like just about us, but 
Well, and to take that and run, Sam, you actually do bring up a very, very, like, I wouldn't say that's arrogant. I would say, but if a day comes when we are keynote speakers at the whatever spirituality and disability conference, then this, this story will probably come up again. So, um, Misty, you want to double save this, hang on to it, because you might be valuable. <laughs> it might be valuable someday. But I will say that... You're, Sam, you're exactly right, because I did have some very, I would say I've been thinking about this particular subject a lot recently because there there has been some, I would say, negative press towards Christianity, but also uh, some very negative Christian attitude going along with it and working where I work. In conservative radio, I hear about it all the time, and I was realizing that due to my past with both church, disability, that kind of thing, my relationship with God was never really um, in question. If anything, I became more aggressive towards Christians. In fact, um, when I have other issues along with cerebral palsy, reading and writing, as I said before, is a little bit of a challenge. The first time I was able to read my Bible on my own, I felt like I was stealing because someone wasn't there to put whatever social political filter on it to go along with the sermon of the day on thou shalt not fill in the blank. Right. So when I was reading my Bible on my own, it's almost like I held tighter to it and held tighter to God. However, this it's not exactly a healthy attitude to have so sam you made it in a way that was one of those things that only only you could have walked up and only really that uh, i guess spiritual growth could have happened so um, pat yourself on your back fan your fan your cape so to speak because uh yeah that was one that though i might come off as a as a rock star when I have a microphone in my hand and we're doing whether we're doing the the gimmick of the day or laughing and talking and doing things like this uh, there is there were a lot of bad experiences and childhood was very bumpy and my little brother actually denounced Christianity between the two of us um, I'm the only one that was able to stick with it but the I guess Same the stand with an older brother. Oh yeah, it it happens if you're there are some ways that Christians could definitely stand to improve. I'll leave it at that, but <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Sam, you um yeah. You, what can I say? You you definitely have had an impact and though we might not agree on everything, I'll always pick up the phone and have a discussion. I'll put it that way. So yeah. with you, the, and I guess the difference between agreeing or disagreeing when it comes to faith, if you pick up the phone and want to talk about something, and regardless of how it ends, if I see your name on the caller ID, I'll pick up. Now, where it contrasts is there's definitely people from the past that if they come up and want to have one of those conversations, if it's a good day, I'll talk my way out of it. I'll slip out. I won't go there. Uh, it's 
it can be really, really tough. But in your case, I mean, I, I visited church at college and then eventually did find a place that I fit into and went there every Sunday. And the it was an Episcopalian church, so it wasn't a pastor, it was a priest, but I found a Christian community that fit with me and was very, very beneficial. And I might not have gone that route if I hadn't run into you and had conversations and things like that. And even the mission trips, that might be a subject for a different day, but um, just say it's, yeah, you definitely have had an impact and a purpose. So um, please, please strut around as best you can. And, you know, I, I hopefully I have um, given your ego a nice boost for the day. If you're having a bad one, I hope it's better. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's probably not the like platform in which to ask that question. I've always been curious though, because I like, I, I genuinely, I, I tell people, um, I think one of the reasons that God gave me cerebral palsy is to meet Sam Maupin. Um, so I was just, sorry I took advantage of that. Oh no, well, I mean, <laughs> To be fair, I mean, like I said, you've probably just now given Misty the uh, the golden demo reel, so to speak. So yeah, when when that conference of cerebral palsy and spirituality comes up, because I mean, if you have, um, let's say, Sam Moppin's onstage persona and offstage persona, um, we'll keep it as a voiceover reel. I'll yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Deep down, there's a lot of anger, rage, aggression. Um, all, I mean, I'm a disabled martial artist. I harnessed, I weaponized cerebral palsy. What does that tell you about my personality? So, but on the other hand, if if Sam Falk walks up clearly with cerebral palsy, it's like that, you know, fight or flight aggression kind of has to get dialed down a little bit of wait, wait, wait. Um, don't attack. This is a this is another disabled person. So it's the the boundaries are are not quite there. I'd say the that it, it's a ceasefire. It's not a military action, if that makes sense. Yeah. So thank you for being there. So yeah, I, I hope I I hope I appropriately answered your question there. Um, Definitely, uh, Misty. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no. Um, did we both sufficiently answer the question? Yes, I actually really appreciate that question. And I just wanted to kind of, you know, um, I've also had to find reason, if you will, for why, um, you know, I was born three months early. I don't know how it, how you guys got cerebral palsy. Same, same here. Okay. Well, yay, we're, <laughs> we're preemie twins, I guess. But, um, yeah. you know, there's always that that competition of oh, I was born three months early and I was one pound two ounces and somebody else has said I was only 16 ounces and it's like well oh you know it's like we're one up in each other right <laughs> so I, I I've actually had that recently um because I I'm new to all these like CP Facebook groups mm -hmm. um and I've been talking with people and somebody was like oh yeah um like wow you you had your shunt removed I didn't know that was possible i like, or I've been on a baclofen pump my whole life and my lungs exploded when I was two weeks old. And I'm like, oh, uh, 
Mine just collapsed and led to me flatlining three times in a row. Oh um, you know, so it is this weird little like CP competition. Like, yes. And then you're kind of awkwardly jealous because, yeah, I was two pounds, two ounces, but that was 30 <laughs> years ago, right? Um, Back then. I feel like that's still impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was tempted to say I was one pound, two ounces, just to one up you there. But, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, there's all, there's always that kind of like weird, like, unspoken competition. So, in the, in the, although, you know, support groups are there to be supportive, there is, oh, that, totally. There is that unspoken dialogue of competitors, like, well, mine, this happened to me and this happened to me. And, I don't, I've never had a son, and I, I don't know what, um, you, you mentioned something, baclofen? I don't know what that is. Um, yeah, uh, baclofen is a, uh, it's a muscle relaxer. Oh. Um, and some people, like, literally have a pump inserted into their stomach, so it just gets to them faster. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you guys have different pain levels per day, or is it just kind of, like... For um, me, um, I have what I call ankle days, okay. where if I overexert myself one day, um, say I walk, like, you know, more than a mile, mile and a half, um, if I do a lot of work, the next day, my my bad ankle basically feels like it's broken mm-hmm. and I can't put any weight on it. And so I'm just flailing around my apartment, um, basically crawling around um, because I don't have a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but other than that, like um, I'm mostly pain-free. It's just when I overexert myself. Yeah. I would say for my day-to-day, it's a little bit like playing a guitar and having a string out of tune. Mm -hmm. Um, My body is the guitar. So right now, my my lower back has been hurting. So what I'll do when I have those days, whether it's lower back, thigh, groin, I'll have to stretch that specific area and it's become more or less like tuning an instrument. If you're playing chords and you notice that you have a string off, then you probably should get the tuner and fix it up. In my case, it's I come home from work and I'm burned out and tired and certain bits are hurting a little bit more than others. I'll take five, 10, 15 minutes and stretch those out specifically. And then every morning wake up and do a standard regiment just to keep things under control and anything extra. It's, it feels like being a, a self auto mechanic or um, hmm. if they have self repairing cyborgs in the future, I could just imagine that the star Wars uh, C3PO going, okay, well, Anakin walked out and left me, but my arm is busted. So I better get the screwdriver out and give that a look and you know, fix things up. And that's, that's basically me on that. So day to day pain. It's, I mean, I would say it's, it's there, but if it gets especially bad, it's more, my attitude towards it has been okay. Let me let me work on this. This isn't great, but I mean, 
if I sit and do nothing, then the next day it's going to be absolutely miserable. And I, I don't want to have that. So it's, it's a work in progress, but I mean, this, we all have cerebral palsy, so mm-hmm. we all kind of get, this is what we get. So you're, you either address it or you don't. If you, if you have a flat tire on your car, then you should probably get that fixed. If you run out of gas, you have to you know, go battle your way to the gas pump and get that figured out. So yeah, the body is no different, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, for sure. You Actually, I'm all about analogies. So you mentioned a couple of totally take advantage of the tire being flat if you don't flat if you don't air up your tire you're, you're eventually going to ruin your axle you know yeah and you're and if you don't um what it what else did you say the the gasoline if you if you don't change your oil and you don't do, do anything about your gasoline you're going to run your transmission so you mm-hmm. really have to know what your limitations are and you really have to be, you know, nobody else can tell you what they are because you, nobody else lives in your body, but you, um, I'm notorious for thinking that I'm going to clean my entire apartment for a whole day, you know, like deep clean, not just go through and fold laundry, everything else. My mind is like, I'm going to deep clean and declutter and get rid of about five bags of clothes. And then I'm going to do dishes and put them away and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can only do half of that, maybe sometimes, or a third of that, and then I'm, like, completely worn out for three days. So I've learned how to just go, okay, if I keep up on top of things, my house is going to stay as clean as I want it to stay. Um, but, I, you know, I know my limitations, and I, and I have to be um, aware of that and um, take care of myself to be as independent as I want to be, you know. So... Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, some days, um, some days I I have a like video game level meter in my head for stamina, mm-hmm. um, and some days I can I know exactly where that bar is. If I if I go if I go below this mark, then I'm dead the next day. Some days that meter is broken and i just yeah i'm gonna do all of the things and then that's when i wake up the next morning i'm like oh i can't walk i just yeah dead in the water um it's interesting <laughs> like i'm jealous of the fact that you say you know your limitations because some days i don't mm-hmm. well it's just about awareness because sometimes i literally believe that i can do it all and more um i'm a i have um multiple projects that I'm currently working on now on top of, um, you know, I think that I can go, 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 go. One of my biggest challenges, and I don't know if you guys ever watched this show, but I used to watch Driven and Behind the Music and all these different entertainment kind of shows. And I would, you know, dream bold, unrealistic dreams sometimes. And... Mm see all these people doing you know clothing lines and book writing and touring and makeup lines and etc 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 and so somehow as a kid i got it in my head that i could do multiple things at once and i could do five different things at once and get my bachelor's start a brand and start a clothing this and that and whatever and it's like i can't do it all and that's where it's like i'm aware that i am one person and i can only do it one thing and knowing your limitations helps you to be excellent in the one thing that you're meant to be doing because if you're you know 
trying to dabble in 50 million things at once, you're only doing your best about one-fifth of that, right? Because you're doing yeah. That's something that I've had to learn about myself, and that's why I'm so aware and alert about my limitations, because if I don't, then I get unrealistic expectations of myself. Oh, absolutely. Well, I have been finding that one out. Um, before taking the job that I have, I was the weekend guy. And so when you work weekends and have the rest of your time to figure things out and dabble with projects, like you say, you you can get a lot done with this new job and you know, going out, living on my own, that kind of thing. It occurred to me one evening as I thought about sprinting to the store in the rain to do grocery shopping that I am one person. Mm-hmm. I need to cook dinner for the next day. I need to make my lunch for work. I need to, there's things I need to do. But if I get sick because I went to the rain, because I ran through the rain to go to the store to be big and tough and look at me and that kind of thing, I will have to take a sick day. I will have to take a pay cut. I will, there will be consequences for whatever stunt I pull today. So that is, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in between both of you on that one where there are days where I, I want to take the drone out and play after work and practice some new moves and things like that. But work was really exhausting. and I still have to do stuff. And a couple of times I've kind of bit the bullet and said, you know what, I'm going to do this anyway. But then, as you say, Sam, you wake up the next morning and you're like, this was a lot more brutal than it needed to be. And some days yeah. where I'm going, I am one person. There is no one who's going to you know, cook my meals, make my bed, drive me to work, do my work for me. Uh, I'm, I'm me. And that's, that's what I got. So mm-hmm. it's going to have to wait. And I'm going to have to do whatever I want to do tomorrow when I get home or maybe even put it off till the weekend because it's, God, Misty, I'm, I'm like you in that aspect of, I, I want to get a bunch of projects done or I'll have people leaning on me to say, oh, you went flying in this place this time. Why don't you put your video together for that? Or, hey, when are you going to get that project done? And mm-hmm. you know, after you've worked a full day, you sit down to edit and realize that it's it's nine o'clock at night and I have to get up way earlier in the morning than I want to. And I could do this, but it's going to hurt bad tomorrow or it's not so much a body pain or you might get sick you might have to miss days of work because something happened or you pushed a little harder than you needed to so I will say that's one thing with getting older that uh, knowledge knowledge happens to you it's not something that comes in a box you acquire uh, common sense it's it creeps up on you and before you know it you have to you're cutting back on your own because you um, you learn things mm-hmm. like to be careful and pick up your feet so you don't smash your palms on the curb or to get a full night's sleep before you wake up early in the morning. Yeah. Or like I'm actually taking uh turmeric supplements now for my back pain. Oh nice. I've I've never done that before, but I uh we had a really harsh winter and uh you know when you get a sudden cold snap um my whole back just nope yeah uh stops working um and the chiropractor helped a little bit but i heard about turmeric 
Um, and now it's just a daily thing. I just take a daily supplement of turmeric and my back pain is pretty much non-existent. So yeah, it's these little like getting older with CP is a totally weird ball game. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I had heard someone talk about turmeric and I've been, they've been telling me to get turmeric and now I'm literally convinced now I need to do that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I just, I don't mess with the powders or anything like that. I just get a, get like the cheapest bottle of the supplement that I can find and one a day. Um, I haven't had back pain in months. Well, that's really cool because I wake up with back pain every day. So yay, I'm going to look into that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do a segue here if you guys are okay with that. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you, for you guys, whenever you were younger, um, I know there's a lot of misconceptions about people with disabilities, at least for me, as far as the classroom setting goes. Um, you know, I was in a, as you would say, normal classroom setting, and I assume you guys were as well. Um, how was that, how was school and education for you guys when you were younger? I know that's a completely different topic. Oh, no, no. That's a great, that's a great question. I love it. Um, I'm going to give Lefty some time to think. Uh, so for me, um... Every single year in elementary school, my, uh, my physical therapist and my occupational therapist would stand me in front of the classroom and be like, hey, this is Sam. Uh, he has cerebral palsy. Um, of course, you're telling that to like second graders and they have no idea what it is. Right. Um, they're like, so this, th- this is Sam. Um, here's what he can do. And here's what he can't do. Um, you know, he might ask for help uh, with with scissors. Uh, he might ask for help with, you know, and list off some various things. And obviously that list changed as I got older. Right. Um, but like, it was very upfront. Like I never, I never hid my disability. I definitely like, you know, had this internal pressure of, oh, I want to be normal. I want to, you know, um, do everything I can to be able-bodied or like convince people that I am able-bodied which is garbage and I don't believe that anymore mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, so I was um, fully in the uh, the normal classrooms I did have occupational therapy and I had physical therapy um, from like first grade all the way until I graduated high school. Mm. Um, my OT was interesting because, uh, occupational therapy, for those who don't know, like that's literally, um, teaching life skills and like adapting, um, different things. And so, yeah, yeah. So I actually like, I would, get excused from certain classes every couple of weeks or whatever um and then go into a different room and my therapist like 
uh, would teach me how to button a button with one hand. Or um, one day we like, we actually built my own, um, my own uh, like vegetable grater and cutting board. Right. Um, which was super cool. Uh, I actually got to like take j- industrial strength suction cups and like drill them into this uh, cutting board so that like it did not move like um so i i would made some custom things like that um physical therapy obviously like oh like do better with these various things i distinctly remember practicing how to throw a baseball for like a solid month with both hands mm-hmm. um i never did any sports but it was definitely this like you know, um, trying to uh, supplement like PE class, right? Yeah. So I'll go ahead, if, if it's okay with you, I'll go ahead and add, add something kind of funny to this. Um, you're talking about PT and OT and one of, one of the things for, for PT for me is I was required to do a certain amount of exercises at home, outside of school, outside of therapy, just to keep, you know, my muscles, you know, going. And if, yep. that, if I didn't do my exercises, then I was forced to watch um, Richard Simmons tapes and work out. To the- oh, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so it's like, it's just funny that I just remembered that. And, um, you know, um, the, the part about occupational therapy that I really enjoyed was the learning how to cook. And figuring out like different yeah. cooking mechanisms and things like that because there's not a lot of adaptability um, for even with cookware. I think there should be a line of cookware that's adaptable to people, but it's such a absolutely broad, um, and it would be hard to market because there's so many different disabilities and so many different things that not everybody needs the same thing. So it's like, how do you? Well, I mean, that's that's what three a.m. infomercials are for, right? right that's true. I got to jump in on this one because, yeah. Uh, yeah, can I get one of those suction cup cutting boards? Because that, that sounds pretty cool. I, it's, it is it's a, awesome. It's Shout a, out to my occupational therapist. Oh, yeah. Because um, I made it myself. You two both had like cool occupational therapy. Mine, it only really happened, I would say, below the sixth grade. Up to that, it was... Beyond that, it was more, oh, you're good enough to be normal. We'll put you in the special ed class and then put you in alternative classes the rest of the time. So I had an IEP. I bounced around. I found alternative programs were a little bit better because uh, writing in cerebral palsy, at least for me with a pen, um, if you'd like me to write my signature right through five books, I think I probably could. Um, or right through the table, the muscles are a little strong on that side, but occupational therapy, I mean, hearing you two talk about learning how to cook, learning how to make stuff, learning how to throw a baseball, that sounds awesome because I think I remember mine consisted of um, sitting at a keyboard and um, typing F, J, F, J, F, J, and trying to, and maybe if I was good, they would let me throw a space into that one. 
and playing these very educational teacher supervised they looked like they were like right out of the right out of the 90s somebody was trying to make a computer but they had a computer on tape and it was only what they could handle and uh yeah it was kind of a frustrating experience cuz i i hear you two talking i'm like you got that cool like <laughs> occupational therapy i had the f j f j but they did let me slide down a ramp on a on a scooter. I, I didn't have to nice. do the workout videos. I will say as far as stretching to kind of go that route, because Sam, I know you could, we, we differ on that one very sharply, but um, I, that's I, why. I don't, I don't do my stretches at all. And <laughs> he, he definitely shows me up. Well, but you're a rock star about not doing your stretches. You're what, what does that even mean? I'm really I mean, good at being lazy. I mean, I'm like okay. So I, if I could, um, I think to to give you a visual image between the difference of Sam and I. If you catch me outside of work in my normal everyday, I'm wearing a black tight tank top you can see the veins coming through my you know cerebral palsy ridden body and i've had people come up and say are you on steroids or are you on you know some form of you know something illegal because that looks unhealthy i'm like no it's cerebral palsy it's fine it's now then i have sam on the other hand so me your your scary disabled person and sam shows up dressed to the nines with his fancy cane and just totally shows me up so it's more i guess uh i i could just say i'm i'm his bodyguard if you touch him bad things will happen to you but you know between the two of us sam your your demeanor your i may stretch more but you wear it better i guess is what i'm trying to say here because fair enough i got into martial arts right after physical therapy as an alternative where it's like, yes, physical therapy is no fun, but maybe if you stretch, you can keep up with everybody in class next week and get better and better. And it just kind of became a, a lifestyle after that. And now I, I do it all on my own, but it's, it definitely is a, one of those childhood crossroads that shapes who you are. But yeah. I have to say, I mean, Sam's wardrobe will always be more impressive than mine, as will his cane collection. I might not need a cane, but if we have like the suavometer going, I, I'm afraid I, yeah, I can't, I can't compete with that. So, Misty is looking at uh, one photo, but I, I dress more like an English professor than than anything else. So I, I, I will humbly admit. Um, I mean, because I definitely like, because I started using a cane in high school after my leg surgery. Mm. Um, up until that point, I, I didn't use a cane. But, you know, as a 14-year-old, getting your leg broken in three separate places and then um, forcibly, like, locked into place so it will grow straight, I went from, oh, I have eight weeks in a wheelchair then I had a walker, which was terrible because I was like completely dependent on the walker mm. as I'm shuffling around. And if that, and it was just like a regular 85 year old, you know, Dorothy level walk. Like it was, 
some old lady donated it to me. Oh no. <laughs> um level walker. Like it wasn't any of these cool rollators that they have now. Right. Um and if I hit a rock, I would just face plant. Mm. Um because it had all four wheels. And then I went to a cane and I'm just like, okay, this just this makes me look like a badass. So I'm gonna keep the cane I have ever since. Um okay. and yes, I do have a slow I have a small collection of like nice fancy canes i have a sword cane um because why not right that sounds awesome i need to see that now i I (laughs) need to see that (laughs) um i had a cane at one point um and i my left side i i have to have something to hold on to like if i'm going down a a staircase and i'm i don't have anything else to hold on to I will immediately grab the railing. If there's only one railing on one side, like on the right side, I will grab the railing with both of my hands and kind of sidestep down just because my balance is a little bit. Um, I, I think if I could work on it a little bit more, I probably could be a little bit stronger, but I'm a little bit insecure with my balance when it comes to getting down the curb or going downstairs without a railing. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Something that I would be able to do. <laughs> if if I'm going, uh, so my right side is my good side. If I'm going downstairs and there's no railing on the right side, and if it's a small enough set of stairs, I will walk over to the left side and go down the stairs backwards, so that I can hold on to the rail. That's genius. Um, instead of using two hands, because you know my left hand looks like a claw monster and sometimes acts like one. So it's not really cooperative. Um, So if I can pull it off, I just go down backwards. That's pretty cool. Interestingly enough, when I, when I started walking in my walker, when I was four, um, I would, I was able to run backwards and walk backwards, but I couldn't walk forward. And now I can walk forward. Interesting. Backwards. It's weird. (laughs) <laughs> but it's, interesting it's like, i just ran around on my knees until my legs figured out what they were doing yeah i crawled on my knees until i was 15 as well my 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 they did like an experimental surgery on on my legs um my hamstrings are actually in my ankles and my ankles are actually in the back of my knees hmm. it's interesting i don't know how that works but it is so um yeah. well guys this has been super fun and I know that we had said we were going to um, narrow it down to one hour, but we... Eh, fix it in post. It's, yeah. It's, it's, Second it's, emotion. So. <laughs> um, I didn't know if you guys had anything else that you wanted to add really quickly, or if you wanted to say anything before we say our goodbyes. If I had to throw in a parting thought, it would be think I cannot overemphasize the importance of having conversations like this, not only for the sake of people who are outside of uh, our country of cerebral palsy, but also for those of us who are in it. So um, Mm -hmm. thank you both. Thank you, Sam, for bringing me along on this one. It's, um, but seriously, the, if the community could improve on one thing right away, it would be to have more talks like this. Yeah, that's good. I, I absolutely agree. Um, it has been 
it's been really interesting to you know find these little um facebook groups which is only like i've only looked into them the past like two months um but definitely i and i feel like um there there is starting to become more and more discussions um around disability in general um but i feel like uh cerebral palsy itself um is such an interesting community that needs to come together more often um i mean just between the three of us our experiences are so different um our mobility issues are so different um that it's we can all learn from each other and this has been an amazing experience um to talk with both of you um i've had a lot of fun today thank you so much for reaching out misty this has been awesome yeah thank you guys and i would love to have you guys again on the podcast in the future Um, oh 100 yeah this is super fun thank you guys so much thank you for having us it's sam it's always good to be with you in a whether we're standing in front of an audience making jokes or whether we're doing stuff like this i'd this is fun. Let's keep on doing it. And thank you, Misty. It's wonderful to hear your story as well, because I mean, again, you've got a totally different perspective. I think my final thought for the podcast, the community is very, very diverse, even for something like cerebral palsy. And people need to realize that. So just to, again, underscore the importance of this. Um, If we didn't have this conversation I'm sure there's, and I, I would like to pass this podcast on to other people. I mean, who knows? They might think disabled people are all aggressive and crazy, or they're not, or the the assumptions can get strunk down when we do stuff like this. So yeah, um, work with that however you want, but yeah, we need to we need to see how different we are so that we can find what we have in common. Right. And- that but our strengths and our weaknesses as well we you know just like you guys have uh you have have your left side and you both can come together and you know you get to conquer the world together um, but they're all one one person's weakness is another but another person's strength so yeah absolutely and we have physically come together uh misty if, if, if you ever want to do uh some comedy um and i'm gonna leave on a high note uh, w- months after we first met sam and i both did sit down comedy we went to our open mic night fit inside of a triple xl t-shirt together as conjoined twins that's amazing what uh with our was it our good side facing out or the bad side? I think it, well, we had, we had to start out with the bad side facing out because yeah. it's the gimmick. We, we had to make it wonderfully awkward and realize that we had, it was staged, of course. We staged it very nicely. However, it, it was an experience to be jammed into an XL t-shirt with you. I'll, I'll say it that way. Uh, the discomfort was not something that we, we faked. That was, that was pretty legit there, but, um, uh, yeah, we did bad sides out and then we had to switch 
And right, so we ripped the t-shirt, and then yeah, I remember. Well, and I I gotta say, with that experience in context of this, we had our friends who were just dying in the audience the whole time we were going, but it was really hard to explain to the audience it is okay to laugh at the fact that I just face planted the stage on purpose Mm -hmm. and made it into a stunt. I had this thing because I fell down a lot and I got kind of annoyed at people saying, can I help you? I declared it a ground check (laughs) that I was checking the ground that making sure it was stable, your taxpayer dollars pay for this. You don't need to thank me. I, I, it's my civic duty. So um, yeah, those awkward disability moments can be a wonderful way to conjure up a stage persona it makes it a little less awkward anyway mm-hmm. sam and i are sharing every terrible joke we have in the book on this one i think even we we're talking about wiggling toes and i had to apologize to maybe did i did i insult mermaids there by the fact that i'm you know i i I mean, somebody said I was like a mermaid because I, I was looking at someone wiggle their toes and going, wow, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. And it's like, oh, you're like the little mermaid. And I'm going, oh, no, I just have insulted fish and ladies and fish and mermaids at the same time. So uh, as far as your podcast goes, I hope I am welcome to come back. <laughs> you are, you are, for sure. Okay, good, good. But yeah, it people's reaction is, it's hard. And that is something where, I mean, Sam, you and I could probably throw say a quarter of the jokes we did that night and misty you would love every minute of it but put an audience who's not used to this community and they're going to be sitting there like squirming in their chairs going this is horrible and it's like well no it's not actually it's this is this is what we deal with and you got to put a good spin on it besides it is really funny sometimes when you realize that despite your best efforts to get out of the shower it didn't go so well, but it's okay. The floor was not that far away. Things happen. It's life. Right. My or I, I had an old boss with cerebral palsy. I texted him. I said, how, how did the floor taste this morning? And he said, well, it was pretty good. My floor is a little cleaner than yours, so I hope you brushed your teeth before you came to work today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I like to say, I met gravity today. Was yeah. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> trip, see you next fall, you know. <laughs> Tagline oh yes falling is definitely inevitable um you know but that's when that's why we have the most bounce back right we bounce right back up and go again you know absolutely yeah hey we're just good at it we get a lot of practice exactly we get we, we have to learn <laughs> well this was excellent you guys thank you so so much again um and i will um have you guys on the podcast again soon looking forward to it all right thank you have a great thank you take care